Tell me how to say ladies and gentlemen in gender neutral terms. Hey yo. Hey yo. Hey, yo. That's pretty exciting, right, Omega? Indeed. Yeah, right. HIAC Talk Radio is always exciting. Get in there. You will deal with that Atlas harshly. Fight forever, Cardion! I think he broke it. Look what you made me do! And you're listening to Hell in a Cell Radio. The Hell in a Cell Talk Radio. Hell in a Cell Radio! Hell in a Cell Talk Radio. Hell in a Cell Talk Radio. Hello, everyone, and welcome to an exciting edition. I have to steal that line from, from Dean Dixon of HIAC Talk Radio. With me is Craig Legans. With me, uh, again, as always, kind of, sort of. Uh, he's official member of the show, Derek McDonald, uh, the smart one who doesn't have Twitter, as I like to call <laughs> him. Uh, so he's at In Your Nightmares or In Your Dreams, ladies, depending on who it is. Uh, except there you go. He's married, so uh, keep it in the dreams. Uh, the rest of us, keep it on the paper. Craig is not married. He can find all inquiries at Craig Lagans on social media. He'll take uh, uh, your applications and read them in alphabetical order. Um, <laughs> so, see, he's not going to get mad because, uh, you know, he'll take those. Yeah. yeah, no. He'll absolutely take those. Uh, we went into this Monday with not having much to talk about, but... The phrase, the shit has definitely hit the fan, applies to this episode. We are eventually going to do The Greatest Heel Turns. That's after this discussion. But uh, we had another walkout in the world of wrestling. I know it's unheard of for any wrestler ever to walk out on Vince McMahon. It has never happened before. Sasha's the first one to do it. She's the worst human being in the world because she's the first person to defy a white Man! Ah! <laughs> Sasha Banks walked down on his man due to creative differences. I can't imagine what the problem would be. Um, well, Sasha and Naomi walked out. Sasha and Naomi? Well, I see a pattern, folks. Yeah, the, the, the WWE Women's Tag Team Champions uh, turned in their belts prior to Monday Night Raw last night. And... Uh, and said bye. Walked out of the company. It was addressed on the show last night. Uh, through the earpiece of Corey Graves, he said both Sasha Banks and uh, Naomi uh, unprofessionally walked out of the company. Now, Corey Graves took a lot of heat for that, uh, for, for saying that. And Carmella, Corey's a fiance came to his aid and saying he's only doing his job, which means that Corey was told to say that through his earpiece that Sasha and Naomi were unprofessional in walking out and said that he, they unprofessionally walked out. That was addressed later in the show. So the main event or the women's match was changed. The women's tag team title match was changed at the last minute, uh, between, uh, to, uh, Becky and uh, Asuka and, um, in the main event uh, that night. But we still don't know why uh, Sasha and Naomi walked out. And I, I heard the news. 
I, I got it last night, but I expected to hear something this morning. I still haven't heard anything other than the fallout from them walking out. And um, there were the clip of uh, Sasha on the Stone Cold podcast kind of foreshadowing it, saying how at one point she was just happy to be there. And now pretty much saying, well, I'm here now and I'm I'm not that person anymore where I was just begging for, you know, a hot dog or, you know, a, a bottle of water. I have all that. Now I eat like Vince McMahon. So I I expect to be treated as such. So I don't know if you guys saw the last match that Sasha and Naomi had against Stu Drop and Nikki Ass, uh, but it was horrible. Um uh, I don't know if it was because of their opponents. Obviously, Dewdrop is still very new and very raw, and she's kind of stiff. And she landed on a couple people. I didn't. I have to confess, I didn't see the match, but from what I did see of it, it was not very good. I don't know if they were fed up with who they because they had to wrestle them again last night, or if it was something else. But I still have no idea why. Uh, I mean, I was hoping to talk to you guys tonight anyway because it's our night, but I didn't know if you guys have heard anything about it. DMAC, do you hear anything about the. Yeah. W- what I had heard was the plan was at the next pay per view, which I think is Helen a Cell, the plan was Sasha would face Ronda for the SmackDown women's title, Naomi would face Bianca for the Raw women's title, and both of them would lose to said champion. Okay. Um, and Sasha and Naomi pretty much goes, okay, well, how does that help us as champions? And what does it say about the division as a whole right. if you're beating us on television? Um, which, you know, I, you can't knock them. Yeah, you can't knock them for it. You, of course you want them to care about their characters on TV and things they're taking part in. Right. And I've I, I seen a lot of people, it's funny how Dan introduced this. Um, <laughs> I've seen people on Twitter bash Sasha Banks and bash Naomi. And, you know, the company Dan, should fire them. Dan, Dan pays attention, Derek. <laughs> yeah, and, and, and here's my thing. Dan keeps his you eye got, out on them crazy crimes. <laughs> here's the thing. Um, these are the same people who applauded when Tony Khan told Big Swole she wasn't good enough on Twitter. And that's why he didn't renew her contract. Um, this is the same company to, and I'm pretty sure you guys remember this, um, a couple months ago, Becky and Charlotte decided they didn't like that they had to switch hand each other their titles in the middle of the ring, and they proceeded to act unprofessional in the middle of the ring on live television in front of millions of people, and nothing happened to them. Um, and, and now we get to Sasha and Naomi, who didn't go on TV and pout, didn't go on TV and be unprofessional. And all of a sudden, it's, they should fire them. They're entitled, blah, 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 blah. But you same people applaud CM Punk, who did the same thing many years ago and made that guy your cult hero. So I wonder what's the difference between Naomi and Sasha and CM Punk and Charlotte and Becky. Skin color. <laughs> Listen. It's, it's, go ahead, Dan. I... And I don't mean you listen. I'm talking about those who might be listening to us. Uh, I call them like a season. I Derek is 100% hit the nail on the head here. I see a lot of hypocrisy when it's uh, first of all. Let's just let's just start at the very bakes basic uh, uh, point of this. Is two women were like no, <laughs> and, and and we're leaving. 
personal opinions on Sasha Banks' personal opinions of certain things that have been happening in the last two years aside. As a female wrestler, you're already 20 years behind for no other other fault other than because of who was running the show for the last hundred years. Um, How do we say that now? Jesus. (laughs) Well, um, so you're already behind the eight ball in that sense uh, for no fault of your own. Uh, so immediately you walk out being that you're a female wrestler and you're like, they take two people of color, two ladies of color, and they tell a rich white dude, no, 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 it's a stupid idea. We'll see ya. Here's our belts. We'll see you later. I don't know how to say this. I just... It goes back to when <laughs> it goes back to when Austin Creed was uh, commenting about how Twitter has a little bit too much to say about how things go, and the fans don't wait for things to happen. You know, things that Craig and I, and Dean and I, and Chris and I, and Derek and I have been saying for te- ten years or more. That fans have a little bit too much to say. They they want to be part of the show instead of watching the show. And us, it, and, and me to a fault. I've been there, done that. Uh, and, and, and how the fans just let things happen, chill out, watch the show and enjoy it. Or don't, but just watch the show. Be fans. There, there are fans, and then there's the other side of the guardrail. That's how things have worked for years, though that interaction has evolved. There are performers, and there are people who pay performers for said performance. Uh, and the amount of... Not that anybody's surprised. Not that you two or I were surprised, but the amount of N-words that were exchanged mm-hmm. about Mr. Mr. Woods, Mr. Creed, and how, uh, paraphrasing, by the way, that boy needs us. We pay his salary. Without <laughs> us, he'd have nothing... That N-word would have nothing, and I pointed out, you crackers realize that he is a PhD, right? <laughs> and I got banned from that room, and they didn't. I, you know, I, I, do I really have to? I, and I know Craig, who is the uh, elder statesman of the show, has a little more experience in the... Well, a little more experience. He, he's had more years ahead of Mr. McDonald in the being a black man in America. Yes. Not more experience, more years, of course, about 20. Um, more practice. Lots of practice. <laughs> he still, Craig, a lot of times, still tries to take an objective view. The and, and I do, too. Being that I work with Craig so often, I'm like, all right, well, maybe not be a white guy getting so mad for somebody else all the time kind of thing. You know what I mean? This was overwhelmingly pretty. It was pretty cut and dry. It was yeah. pretty white guys yeah. mad at black women. <laughs> it was a yeah. lot of it. Not everybody, but there was a lot. And I really have a problem as a white male mm-hmm. who has watched wrestling since he can remember things. Have a real problem seeing that when we pray. When we pray. Nia Jax. Yes, she was dangerous in the ring. Not my. Pl- 
we're not wrestlers. We're just fans. We stated the evidence. I the difference between a wrestler in the eighties and seventies. I'll mention Bruiser Brody just as an example of hurting people in the middle of the ring and that being, that's awesome, that's cool. Yeah, Bruiser was real. And then Nia Jax doing the same thing and it being a problem. Craig, Craig, Craig is pretty much, well, both of them kind of shitty sometimes. (laughs) Look at that, Craig. You have a different perspective. Um, Stone Cold walking out. Yeah. Stone Cold, Stone Cold Steve Austin, the guy that everybody goes, he was the guy mm-hmm. for years. Bigger than Hulk Hogan, bigger than anybody ever, and certainly bigger than anybody now, was like, and rightfully so, once we found out the details, we were all like, yeah, Steve, gotcha. Yeah, that's stupid. See ya. Got it. Granted, we don't have all that story yet about this. Notice I had a, uh, I've been holding this in. Um, <laughs> though we don't have the story, but just based on the track record of those involved, I don't understand why we're not treating this the same. I just don't. I don't get it. Um, and to the victors go the spoils. You know, the WWE mm-hmm. will spin it whichever way they always have, and they will again in the future. I can only imagine. Well, we do know. You just told us, Derek. We we do know what happened and what was going to be happening, and how they were like. Well, that doesn't. Why? That's stupid. Yeah. It doesn't work for me, brother. No, yeah, <laughs> don't work for me, brother. You can't do that. So no, I don't. I, I don't understand. Rules for ye, not for thee. And and what they did last night is nothing different than what, you know, different than what I'm sure Ric Flair did in the 80s and Hulk and Andre and all these guys who were stars of the territory well, days. But I don't think well, anybody, I think by 74, nobody was going up to Andre and going, you know, I have yeah, a great idea. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no boss. Won't work for me. No bro. boss. Not doing that. <laughs> but. It's and it's funny you brought up Woods because I remember years ago uh, he put out a tweet and it was himself and Kofi and Sasha Banks and I think Rich Swan and Kofi and Biggie and and it was like they all had the belts and I remember it was simple they were all smiling and the thing just said Black Excellence yeah. and I remember the internet exploded. What, why is it black excellence? And why, if we would have said white excellence, everybody would have been upset. NWO, idiot. <laughs> and it's like, you don't understand wrestling is built on white excellence. That's why they had to say black excellence. That's why it's so, you know, it was a breath of fresh air. But okay. it's 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 amazing that, maybe I shouldn't be shocked living, you know, in this day and age that we're living in and things that are happening in this world. But something as trivial and simple as professional wrestling, um, there are still those. And you know what? I don't care if anybody's offended. The hillbilly, missing tooth, Confederate flag waving jackasses out there who still get their panties in a bunch over any little thing that has to deal with somebody who is different than them and somebody who doesn't look like them. And God forbid it's a woman. They they just can't handle 
you know, them doing anything. And it's like, it's professional wrestling, sir. Why are you so upset? How I, is how it's it's I, nuts to me. I would argue, and Craig, I want your feelings on this whole thing now that you have some details from Mr. McDonald. Mm-hmm. I would argue, other than Steve, just because he did it behind closed doors, that these two ladies did it more. Uh, Craig, I think you touched upon it more professionally and classier than anybody else did it in the past. Yeah, they're like, you know, we don't yeah. like this. Here's our belts. You know, we're out of here. Like, we'll see you later. We'll figure it out some other time. Yeah, they didn't have a fit like uh, uh, Charlotte and uh, was it Natty? Yeah. Or no, 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 Charlotte and Becky. Back on national it. TV, and it made it look like shit. Mm-hmm. Uh, they they did it. They handled business the right way, and of course WWE had to be like, "Hey, look what they did!" Eh! <laughs> yeah, Craig. <laughs> no, and and um, going back to your your black excellence um, uh, callback, Derek. Um, if it happened. As often as white excellence, we wouldn't have to call attention to it. Exactly. If uh, if a, the biggest wrestling company in the world has all black world champions, if that had been happening since the seventies, mm-hmm. you wouldn't have heard a peep out of me. Nope. The fact <laughs> that it has never happened in the history of the in the whole going on sixty year history of this company. Yeah, I'm gonna call attention to that. That's why we're holding up these belts because when you ever when a it's never happened and then when will you ever see it again Mm -hmm. Uh, part of the part of the reason why i was so uh disenfranchised with the hurt business being thrown aside so quickly uh there's no reason on earth why the hurt business shouldn't be exactly what the the bloodline is now um Especially when you got to, and I'm not knocking the youth those, but when you got guys like Sheldon Benjamin and, and Dedrick Alexander, just as big, just as good, if not better, athletes than the both of those guys and Bobby Lashley. But I digest. Um, with Sasha and Naomi, obviously have uh, have more, you know, uh, have have a bigger caveat. You've got two former world champions, uh, both multi world champions and for them to to feel like this and to like you said dan be professional about it uh tell the the company why they're upset turn in their belts they didn't phone it they didn't literally phone it in they didn't have an intermediary do it uh they didn't run the belts over with a truck and then mail it back (laughs) <laughs> like, uh, a, a former world champion would have done. Uh, they, yeah, they, they, they turn. Yeah, Stan Hansen is probably one of the, the biggest. We mentioned all the names of the people that have problem with and and walked out. Stan Hansen probably most notorious for how he left the AWA. But Sasha and, they, and Naomi, because of the respect they had for the company that gave them their livelihood, um, and would at least think that they're their opinions would be heard given that they've given uh, the company so much of their, of, of their livelihood. And because they made their company so much money and they've given them great. Sasha was the first main event cage match in women's history mm-hmm. on, on a pay-per-view. So if, 
she says, I'm not, I don't like the, what's this, why can't that, why can't her pleas be listened to and something be changed on her event? And the fact that it couldn't, it got to the fact that it got to that point for Sasha, because this is not the first time, you know, she's left the company. Yeah. And not been a, and and not been happy with the the way that her career her, the direction that she's going, so uh, for for her to for her to do it again and for this time to turn in the belt is obviously not the, the way that the um, she sees her career going at least in the WWE and the WWE has and in the past year guys have been begging to leave I don't mm. know what they did to what they promised Mustafa Ali to come yeah. back, but he couldn't wait to get out of the door. Yeah. And Mustafa yeah. Ali, again, I'm not knocking him. It, no, he, he's he's not the problem. No. No, not at all. No. He said we we and it obviously it's something he wanted to do there. They wanted him to do something that obviously he didn't want to do. Just like with mm-hmm. maybe to a lesser degree than what they asked Sasha and Naomi to do. I'm guessing when Mustafa Ali had more to do with his culture than they had to mm-hmm. do with uh, whether he was going to win or not. Um, but it'd be interesting to see going forward if the WWE is already telling Corey Graves to say that they were unprofessional, how far the WWE is going to go to to bury these two, to mm-hmm. infer them from the, the company. I mean, they have no tag team champions now. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they've made that out in on live television. So the, the whole world knows now. So um, it'd be interesting how what they what they do going forward. What were you gonna say, Dan? I, the, then this is this is what I want to happen. If so, Derek, lay it out again. They were gonna have Naomi and and Sasha do what now? Sasha was going to fight Ronda, right? And Naomi was going to fight Bianca, and they were, and they were both, both gonna, gonna lose. lose. Yeah. Now the Bianca and 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 Naomi thing. That bothers me less because of, quite frankly, who Bianca Belair is, yeah. right? Yeah, yeah. And I'm not talking. I'm not even talking about color of your skin. I'm talking about how the length of time she's held the belt mm-hmm. <laughs> compared yeah. to others. Uh, but then my counter argument to that is, is well, Naomi. Like, okay, so why is she gonna lose? Yeah. Bianca's yeah. not going to lose anything. She was just main event in WrestleMania. Have Naomi go over once. Um, the Sasha Ronda thing. I hear constantly what a big ratings draw and money wise maker Ronda Rousey is against Sasha Banks. Yeah. I need to see numbers. To tell me that that was a smart booking decision. Now, mm-hmm. in the grand scheme of things, they don't owe me anything. Eh, they owe mm-hmm. fans an explanation. I'm sorry, the universe an explanation. Mm-hmm. Because I want to know, was it really worth losing? I'm not as big of a Sasha Banks, Mark, as other people. But it's one of those things, it's kind of, it's lesser the John Cena thing. Like, in the height of John Cena, I was, you could have very easily been on the, ah, uh, fuck this guy. I don't, I am so tired. <laughs> All I did was go to a live show and watch a kid, a young boy. Yes. With a young black father and his young black son 
and how nuts that kid went and the smile mm-hmm. on the father's face. Derek, I know you yeah. can relate yeah. to that. Because yeah. I see because I see you taking your son to wrestling matches and bitching about the pricing. You've made yeah, this monster, yeah. by the way. You've created <laughs> this monster. Oh, knock it off. No. But all I had to see, like, I'm watching, I'm going, oh, yeah, there's John Cena. And then I'm listening to, and this is a house show in the middle of Virginia. And then I'm mm-hmm. listening to the people, and then I hear the scream behind me. And this little kid holding on to his dad's hand, and he's like, he's probably 18 now, because this was 10 years ago. He was around 7 or 8, so he's a teenager now, screaming, Daddy, Daddy, look, John Cena, yeah, 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 just scream at the top of his lungs. And the smile on that father's face, and I was like, that's it. That was good enough for me. Mm-hmm. It doesn't yeah. matter what it is. I don't matter in that situation. That's who that's for. Sasha Banks is one of the biggest names in this company right now. Defy anybody to debate me on that one. I want to see numbers. So yeah. why she was losing to Ronda Ho-Hum Rousey, quite frankly, <laughs> I don't get it. No, She it still is. can't talk. Mm-hmm. She's fine in ring because, you know, she's had experience. But why did you feel those powers to be, to pull the WCW reference out, you felt that you needed to lose Sasha and Naomi for that. You had to hold your ground for that over Sasha Banks and Naomi? It's, I, have a, it's, I have a personal problem with that, but I'm a nobody. So. And, and like you said, she... And it's funny because my niece watches, and I took my niece to the TakeOver Brooklyn when it was Bailey versus Sasha. And they had that match at TakeOver Brooklyn. And when the match was over, I saw grown men weeping. <laughs> and, and, and my niece was jumping out of her seat. And I was like, okay, I get it. Sasha is as, as, as every bit of the star they want people to believe Charlotte and Becky is. That's, how, that's the star that Sasha is. She's on The Mandalorian. She's on all these red carpets. You see all these commercials. She's everywhere. And... For her to go, hey, I don't like this, and they just go, all right, well, tough luck. That that's terrible because I bet you if if Roman walked in there and Roman goes, hey, I don't like this, I like I don't like that. I bet you not. They're not going to go tough titty, Roman. You have to do it. I'm not saying she's as big as Roman, but in terms of the female side of her roster, as as terms, as, yeah, as as yeah, far as booking, yes, yeah, she is. Yeah, and she's the top of the heap, and like you. What, <laughs> I, I, he he wouldn't do that to Charlotte, and I, I I like Charlotte. I think Charlotte is great. I think she's awesome. I think she gets a lot of hate because of who our father is. But agreed. I think I think they would have been more willing to talk it out with her. And and now I'm seeing I see things where they're saying, oh, well, the locker room is calling Sasha a diva. Well, if the rest of that locker room stuck up for themselves the way she stuck up for herself. Maybe some of you guys wouldn't have some of that shitty booking you get on TV every week. You know, maybe some things would change in the company if everybody stood up for themselves the way she stood up for herself. But I think because of who she is, people just like to pile on her, and and, and it sucks. Okay. It's the statement that bothers me. Mm-hmm. Yes, that's the... Uh, it's yeah. the... Pub- like, the whole situation is kind of like... What? It's the statement while the live show was going on that that doesn't sit right with me. And it, 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 
people are like, well, you know, come on, the track record for Vince, come on. Yeah, look who we're there. Look who we're talking well, about. Well, who do you think was said that to was in Corey Graves' ear when he said that? That mm-hmm. I tell you, I'll give you five hundred dollars. Yeah, I mean, I won't give you five hundred dollars. I'm yeah. saying, yeah, no, I and and Corey. Corey, you know, big on him to take the hit because Corey's like, I'll take the hit, whatever. He, you know, yeah. I see still owes he doesn't owe me, but he still owes the Ontario Reign uh, an apology for calling them a, an amateur hockey team. It's professional. It's a minor league, you prick. Learn what it is, <laughs> son of a bitch. Um, that's that's a that's a work. I, I'm not really that man. I was trying to see if I could get him to mention it, and he he was like, I invite. Who the fuck are you? <laughs> Yeah, I, I, it just, it's beyond me. I'm, I'm almost at a loss for words of all the people and all the in the history of wrestling that have stood up for the bosses. Why it's an issue now, and of course, in years past, Stone Cold had detractors. Uh, you know, uh, uh, Rick had his detractors against Mister Hurd, the Pizza Hut guy. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, I. But I don't means- think it's the end. I'm, I'm sure it'll work out eventually because uh, somebody on the one side is going to go, man, they're making us a lot of money. <laughs> you yeah. know? Go ahead, Craig. Yeah, and um, what was I say? the WWE needs Sasha Banks more than Sasha Banks needs the WWE. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, at this point in, in her career. And also, all those people that you, you said, um, Austin, Flair, and even Stan Hansen, they had all they could stand. They can't stand no more. And now that we know the backstory of all these things, and we can take the rest of the side and say they weren't being unreasonable. And even at the time, I was mad at Ric Flair. It's like, why are you going to the WWF, the company I hate more than anything, anything else on earth? Why are, you <laughs> going there? why are you holding up their belt and saying that that's the only belt that means anything when you've been the flagship for the NWA mm-hmm. for 15 years? I, I couldn't... I couldn't stand Rick Flair because of that. And now I was like, oh man, he should have left a long time ago. I'm surprised he's still alive. And they went off. And then he went back. Yeah. Yeah, right. Austin walking out, you know. I was like, what's up? Austin's like, I thought he was getting too big for his bridges and he's kind of he's an egomaniac now. But then I realized what he was saying. So why the fuck would I wrestle Brock Lesnar with no build up on free TV? Free TV, yeah. Get some money out of this. I don't care if I do the job. Just, you know, build the damn thing up. They'll just throw it yeah, in out you, of Yeah, you know when I want to see Ronda and, and Sasha Banks wrestle, uh, uh, finish, be damned? SummerSlam. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's when I want to see it. I don't want to see yeah. it in, what is it, May? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I, what? Hello? Yeah, you have yeah. a bona fide MMA legend against, as Craig and Derek and myself have already said, one of, if not the top, women's wrestler in the company, mm-hmm. arguably. Yeah. Well, mm-hmm. SummerSlam. How? Yeah. What make do you it, got for SummerSlam that's going to wow me over that? Yeah, make it mean something. Yes, yeah, so all the people that we've talked about in the past, they had a legitimate gripe for doing it. Uh, and you can add Sasha and Naomi to the list. Now, you know, we've mentioned Sasha over and over again, and for good reason. Uh Naomi is like the odd man, odd woman out in this. Because mm-hmm. Naomi as as you know, she's had a fine career in the WWE, but she's no Sasha. Uh, where we where we could say Sasha's gonna be all right. 
And don't forget, Naomi is married to one of the top stars in the number one group in the biggest company in the world. So that that'll be the person to watch. Yeah. If this goes for if this goes further, like you, Dan, I believe it will get worked out in some way, shape, or form that won't be harmful to the company or to them. But uh, if it does. Mm-hmm. Sasha is someone I would I I mean uh, Naomi is the is the person that I I'm most be uh, concerned about. And my thing is, and I draw this comparison. Mm-hmm. It, it reminds me of the curtain call where yes, Vince couldn't punish Sean because he was the champ. Nash and Hall were leaving, mm-hmm. or Triple H was there to carry the bags. And like you said, they're, they're not going to punish Sasha. And yes, Naomi is you know she's married into the Anuwahi family who Vince obviously adores but if it comes to somebody having to be punished i hope it's not her because of her standing in the company and if you look at her standing in the company this is probably the best run she's had in forever and i just hope she doesn't lose it because of this she's come a long way from being a funkadactyl yes yes she has (laughs) she sure has from all that dancing it's um wrestling is a it's a it's a fickle community i tell you it's it's nuts. And, and and like you said, I, I think it'll work out for both parties. I just hope it works out for Naomi too and not just Sasha and yeah. WWE. Yeah, that's yeah, that's the only thing I was worried. I mean, they turn their belts in and they walk out of the company, literally, just like that. Mm-hmm. And now and it's news. I was hoping I think, well, if this is a work, this is the weirdest work I ever heard because I don't even know yeah. what, what this is supposed to be building to. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the fact that it was it was real that they did walk out of the company um now the uh and the fact that wwe has made a point of telling everyone that yeah um i don't know how they they're not obviously not going to walk it back but mm-hmm. them coming back into the company sasha and naomi will be uh interesting to see what deals are made or what what concessions are made to to make that to make that happen because right mm-hmm. Done. No, listen, I just, I don't, it's not that they were asking for much either. You know, we're your tag champs. We want to mean something. That, is, that shouldn't be too much for a wrestler to be asking for. No. And because it's not like they're like a Midnight Express tag team where they're just two singles wrestlers that just make a tag team. These are two former world, multi time world champions that are in a tag team. And, and don't forget, it was Vince to put them together to make mm-hmm. them. I didn't think yeah. it should have, but you know, they made it work for whatever reason. So um this is gonna be a fun week to say especially with SmackDown coming up, what the how if they're gonna address it there. It, it, it sure is. And and <laughs> incidents incidents like this makes it great that AEW is around only because Bits can't treat them any way he wants to because if Sasha walks out on an episode of Dynamite, she's mm-hmm. probably the biggest star on that roster, and he doesn't want that at all. No, no, and the fact that yeah, like you said, that that there is, that is an option, it's going to get people to to pay more attention. I mean, the only reason that Mustafa Ali is still there because uh, Vince didn't want him to leave. I not yeah. again, not that Mustafa Ali is a big, huge draw, and I'm not knocking him. But they paid him to stay. Same thing with Kevin Owens. 
who mm-hmm. uh, they gave him, uh, I guess, what, $3 million uh, extra to, to stay and mm-hmm. using him like an idiot. And, yeah. Uh, 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 El Ezekiel uh, angle. <laughs> uh, but, I mean, he could have been doing a whole lot more in AEW at least, but they're paying him to, to be a clown. So they're, they're paying people to stay now because AEW is is a thing. Mm-hmm. And I think half the part, half the reason they're giving Cody the biggest push of his entire career, I guess, maybe just to stick it to AEW. Yeah. Yeah. And I I guess you, I, I guess they're hoping if we use Cody right, mm-hmm. maybe a guy like MJF who you hear is thinking about leaving and he wants more money and they're involved. Like, oh, if we treat Cody a certain way, maybe MJF sees this and he'll want to come over and we'll get him too. But, and like you said, with Kevin Owens, I don't, it's not my money, but I don't understand paying a guy that much money and then using him <laughs> like trash in your television. You would think you'd want to use him the right way to justi- justify his paycheck every week. No, no, they just want to, they want to pay him, they want to pay him to stay. They just want to pay him not, for him not to leave. And yeah, if, they if they do something similar to uh, Naomi and Sasha and they end up like immediately losing the tag team championship or they split them up or one turns mm-hmm. on the other and the yeah. goes nowhere, then we'll know they just paid them to stay. They just didn't want yeah. on to show up on AEW. Yeah. And I guess it's easy for me to say, but when you're just, you're just working for a paycheck and your heart is in it, especially in the contact sport, you, you would think it'd, it'd be miserable to wake up and go in every day. They've been over backwards for Mustafa Ali and he's already lost twice since he's yes. Yeah, he's just a guy again. He's yeah. just a guy. So yeah, I, I it's, it's gonna be a fun weekend. That's why I weep for wrestling today, but thank God we can use this podcast to look back on things were simpler and, and happier. I posed yeah. a question last week about we talked about a heel turn, one of the big heel turns that happened. And I asked um the members of this podcast if they can think of their favorite heel turns of all time. Now, I did a top five only because that's me. I'm a, I'm a five guy. If I don't have a favorite, I'll just do at least a top five. If you have one or if you have a couple, I want to hear them. If we have similar ones, that means we're all on the same wavelength and we thought the same thing was mind-blowing. So if you want to go first, Derek, your favorite heel turn or heel turns – Okay. Your your young life. What were they? Yes. All right. I have five. Good. Um, the first one is a Ric Flair hill turn. Uh, one you don't really hear much about, but it stuck out of my head as a kid. Mm-hmm. Um, I believe it was when Brian Pillman was slowly becoming a horseman. I swear yeah. to God, if it's the same one, Derek. <laughs> and um, I think I know where he's going with this, man. Yes. It's 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 Flair and Sting versus Arn <laughs> versus Arn and Pillman and the whole match Sting is just getting beaten up. He tags in Flair who has nothing on but his slacks. Flair dances, he jives around a little bit and throws the greatest punch I've ever seen in my life. And he decks Sting. The place it's, goes crazy and they just jump on him. It's, uh, Derek, I so happy you mentioned it because it still pisses me off to this day when I'm watching. The ret- you know, and I'm going back and watching, and I'm like, here it comes, that son of a bitch, because it puts me back <laughs> as a kid where I'm like, yeah, Rick's a good... Yes. Oh, 
Ah! And he's just, yes. he does the, he does the. <laughs> Boom. Just knocks him the... Oh, Amazing. man, that son of a bitch. And the effed up thing about that, Derek, not the effed up, it's the brilliant thing about it, was he was so over because it was like, just like yeah. you and me thought, he he's really Sting's buddy now. This is going to yeah. be insane. Listen to that crap. Mother. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And my brother, who's older than me, was watching it with me. And young Derek, I'm like, oh, my God. And my brother goes, he should have known better than to trust those effing horsemen. Because my brother obviously had watched it in the 80s. He should have known better. He should have fucking known better. God damn it. That is one of the, I, to this day, I'll watch it from time to time just to watch that crowd go crazy. And when Sting hit, when he hits Sting, the place just flips like that and they just go nuts. And, yeah. Oh. <laughs> yes. And it didn't last very long, but the Pillman, Benoit, Flair, Arn version of the Horseman, I thought had so much potential and it was ruined. But I, I loved seeing those four together. It was the Rogue Horseman thing with Pillman was great, but. That Flair Hill turn is probably to this day one of my favorite Hill turns of all time. Okay. Uh, you know what's great about that, Craig, is that's in the midst of I respect you, Booker Man. That's one. What the other? I wrote that. Is, th- by the way, I wrote that as my number two, Derek. Okay. Yes. Um, number four, I, I didn't see live cause I wasn't around, but going back and watching old episodes of world class, uh-huh. I got to see it. And it's when they, Michael Hayes slammed the cage door on, uh, Mr. Von Eric's head. And it looked like they were going to burn that building down <laughs> to get to him. And like I said, I had never seen it before. And I went back and I was watching the old things on the network and I saw it and I was like, oh my, and it was so simple. Yeah. And it's not convoluted like things nowadays. And those people, if they looked like if they could have got their hands on Michael Hayes, they would have pulled his hair out and ripped his skin off his body if they could. Actually, if I could, Derek, it was Terry Gordy who slammed the yes. yeah. door. And in that, and when that happened, 40 years ago this year, there's a 40th anniversary of that, the most copied angle in cage match history. That was the first time someone slammed the cage door on a person's head it's been copied more times of the last 40 years than any other spot in a cage match but yeah christmas night 1982 Freebirds turned on um terry von eric and started the greatest feud in world-class history yeah so so simple so pro wrestling one-on-one and uh like you said they they've done it so many times now but i, I could see why that one was so impactful because when i was a kid the only famous, you know, cage headshot was when uh, I believe Kurt Henning slammed Ric Flair's head in the cage at War Games. That was like the big thing for me when I was a kid. But to see that, and uh, I was like, okay, I get it, I understand. <laughs> so, good. Um, so I'm just gonna throw my whole list out, Derek. Okay. <laughs> I don't. I, I don't think this next one is on your list because most people don't really, they don't really think about it. Um, I believe it was the summer of not the summer, the fall of '98. Mm-hmm. And uh, there was this guy by the name of The Rock who had just left the nation. You know, he was getting okay. these what loud. Res- to that guy? <laughs> yeah, he was getting. These, I remember he was getting these loud responses. Like his his he wasn't type on Steve level, Steve Austin's level, but he was just under him. And he's a young guy. Mm-hmm. And then uh, they have the deadly game 
they have the deadly game tournament and he's in the match with mankind and you know Vince turns on mankind and mankind looks at Vince and goes dad I don't think I understand what's going on and he hits him in the head with the belt and the rock turns corporate therefore giving Steve Austin who's the biggest star in wrestling at the time you give him another big hill to face and they make a lot of money so the rock turning corporate is uh number three on my list I, I really love that one good one um Number two, I talked about last week, and it, it's hard to point out when it happened, but I'm going to say it happened in the cage after he lost to Psycho Sid and he pushed Vince down, is uh, Canadian Brett, which I think I said is, it only lasted six months, but <laughs> just the things he did, and you know, maybe it hits a little close to home because Brett was my guy as a kid, he was my guy. But um, to hear him say things that are, like I said last week, still true to this day <laughs> um, uh, about America, um, I, I, that ranks pretty high. And he's another one. His hill turn kind of helped. It didn't make Austin a superstar, but it got him on that trajectory right up there. He was the guy that Steve Austin needed to fight with every week. And one of the loudest crowd reactions I think I've ever heard is still that multi-man match they had a canadian stampede where it was the hearts versus lod and gold dust and austin and ken shamrock and the way the crowd and canada was just eating that up and they were booing steve austin you could tell steve austin was loving it and so canadian brett is uh number two on my list and uh for number one i i was gonna go you know I, you kind of gotta say hogan because of all the money you generated and this and that, so I guess I'll go Hogan joining the NWO. But I also, and I talked to my brother about this, and he was like, you better make sure you have a 1A and a 1B. Um, 1B would be Andre turning Hill on Hulk Hogan to set up their Mania match because, you know, Hogan slamming Andre is one of, if not the biggest moments in professional wrestling. So I got Andre turning Hill on Hulk, and then Hulk joining the NWO as my uh, my top picks. I could have had 20 of them. But those are the five that I, I picked out of my my collection. I want to go next, and I want to leave Craig as the main event. Okay. <laughs> I only want to go next because I have an honorable mention. Okay. It's a semi-sarcastic one. This is more for Derek because I like his reaction when I bring this up. Okay. Sting in 1999. <laughs> okay, this is an honorable mention for this reason. Nobody, nobody cared. Nobody mm -hmm. cared. And I mean that in the most positive Steve Ward way possible. When he hit Hulk Hogan with the bat. Now, mind you, uh, the crowd was a minimal WCW crowd. Mm -hmm. But when he, when he, because Sting used to stand there with the bat staring at Hogan. And me being the Sting Mark, like, is he finally going to hit him with his damn baseball bat? Like, yeah. please hit him. Don't trust him. All it leads to you, you always get screwed over. Do the thing. And, of course, he hit him. And, but when he hit him, if you look at the crowd, the crowd went, yes! 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 <laughs> <laughs> it's so my favorite because he came out to Metallica and he was yeah. wrestling against Flair. And without that, I would have not gotten to be able to see Bret Hart versus Steel staying at the Spectrum at the last Nitro in Philly, like that was worth for me personally worth every single moment of him getting booed. Um, mm -hmm. Oh my god, just him telling Brett to suck it on stage. 
<laughs> when Brett comes out doing the no one knows like is it and Sting comes out nobody cares you've been screwed we've all been screwed you talk about your time and you talk about your legacy I gotta tell you something Brett I got your legacy right here <laughs> and I was like damn alright Steve yeah <laughs> that doesn't really count because it lasted it lasted less than two months and people were like yes it's still Sting so but I did like Sting being a bit of a prick. Uh, so I'm t- that's an honorable mention. Uh, I honestly had number two. I'm going to s- jump around a bit. Flair at Havoc 95. Flair against Sting because that, that mm, son of a... Again, Derek, <laughs> every time I watch it, I'm like, here it comes. This bit. You bet. Oh, you motherfucker. God, I hate you, Ricky. I was so happy. I was like, look at him. He's going he's gonna to kick on Anderson's ass. I was <laughs> so happy. But because it also arm. goes back. But for me as a kid, it also went back to what's the first match I was ever at in person? It was Sting and Flair versus Muda and Funk with, with goddamn Gary Hart and Ole Anderson and Bruno. And there was no heel. There's no swerve. The swerve came shortly after, and that was because Sting won a world title shot. But that was when they were still... So I was like, oh, they're going to do it again. Every time. Every time. Uh, Triple H at WrestleMania 15. Oh, yeah. That's right. Triple H at WrestleMania 15, out of nowhere. I I don't... I would have to... Because I am watching the network in uh, chronological order, so eventually I'm going to get to it. But my memory of it is being... Well, it's been not, it's it's the late nineties, so just like you fellas, watch the Monday Night Wars and want, keep track of everything going, wait, what because they just did a thing where I think China rejoined. Yeah, you right? China. the night okay. yeah, China yeah, yeah. kinda rejoined that earlier in the night. And mm-hmm. then by the end of the night, Triple H is like coming out to say <laughs> Poor X Pac. <laughs> yeah. Poor X Pac. Now, and the reason why I put that there. And I would argue that's number two, number one. It changed his career. Mm-hmm. You went from Goofy. Now, Goofy DX Triple H came back here and there when he needed to. <clears throat> but that changed his career where it became about my time and my belt. And I'm the man. Nobody yeah. else. I'm on top. Cut to when he had that first really major quad injury. And he came back and at Madison Square Garden, that place went insane. Yeah. And he was a heel three months later, um, bringing bringing Sean back out, te- teasing Triple A, uh, teasing DX, doing the whole entrance just to kick him and do with the, tri- the pedigree, all these things. But that moment, WrestleMania 15, that's huge. That changes his yeah. career. Yeah, and and you know, I mentioned how The Rock was kind of like the bad guy with Austin during his big run when Austin hurt his neck. Triple H and Rock, pretty much, they carried that company until Austin came back. So, and Hill Triple H was the perfect foil for the Rock band. So. I know it's late, a little bit later on, but one of my favorite ladder matches is SummerSlam 98. Yes. Rock yes. and Triple H, and I think it's number two or three in a sequence of matches. Mm-hmm. But those yeah. two, those two are matching yeah. too. Yeah. Uh, I'm going to go Hogan, NWO. This crap in this ring represents you fans. Best line he had in six years. Um, McMahon. Mr. Mm-hmm. McMahon's character being coming out of the ashes of the screw job 
and what was the beginning of the Attitude Era with Bret Hart and Mr. McMahon. <laughs> I always talk about um, someone like my wife, Kelly, who watched when she was little and mm-hmm. watched McMahon, just who was not smart to the books and not smart to the, even in the mid-90s, during the Monday Night Wars where she came back and forth uh, watching wrestling or not, was not smart to the backstage stuff, who had no idea that Vince McMahon was the guy. Yeah. And I love when she tells the story because she goes, she remembers that uh, when it was him and right at the beginning of the him and Austin thing, where it was like, oh, I get it. That's it. Oh. Uh, Similar to... Uh, Bishop, because she used to watch AWA on ESPN, when Bishop, like, she'd stop watching for a couple months and then flicked it on one morning, uh, one morning, one night, it's the night that Bishop challenged McMahon to a fight at Slambury, <laughs> and her comment to herself was, why is the announced guy from AWA challenging McMahon to a fight? <laughs> but it goes back to that, where people sure still, there were still a large group of people who were not nuts about wrestling, but watch wrestling because that was when the ratings started going up. I had no idea Vince McMahon was the guy, and all of a sudden, Mr. McMahon's on TV. Yeah. That's big. Yeah. My number one, and I know it's going to be debated, but I'm saying it's my number one. I went out of order. This is an amazing moment that is only enhanced by Bobby the Brain Heenan. And I think Craig knows where I'm going with it, because I stuck a little... Okay. I snuck a little I teaser of it into the into the promotional ad for the show tonight. I think I know what you're going to say. Yeah. It is the rockers breaking up. Yes. On the barber shop with Bruce Beefcake Barber. Yes. And then, but it's it still holds up to this day. It's like those moments that Craig talks about, uh, like uh, Lawler getting hit by was it a truck or a car? Hit by a car. He's hit by a car. People were calling the police going, uh, yo, this dude just got run over. And him having to stand up and all that pain going, no, it's fine. I'm fine. (laughs) (laughs) Where it's timeless. Where even if you watch it today, the packaging around it's very, doesn't age well because it's early 90s or, yeah, early 90s. 90s, The moment itself Mm -hmm. is so amazing where they just, for five minutes, work this out, and they're like, okay, fine, we're going to be back together. Let's do it again. One isn't isn't good without the other. Yeah, 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 Brain. Go ahead, Craig. Yeah, yeah, well, well, those guys, they need each other. They need each other. (laughs) And then, and then, and then, (laughs) turn it around, and him going like this, and him turning around to the bottom of Shawn Michaels' foot, uh, and brain immediately going, oh, see, I knew he's going to do that. I knew he was going to do that. But, but to brain's credit, he acted horrified when he picked him up and shoved him through a goddamn clay, glass window. Yeah, that yeah. was evil in ninety. When did that happen, Craig? I don't even know the year. Ninety two, ninety three. It was ninety three. And just on TV, this dude got thrown through a window, a yeah. real window. And he got and he got juice on Saturday yeah. afternoon. I still get chills watching that because it's it was still it, first of all it's been on top ten list since it happened. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But now you fast forward two thousand two and everything that came out of that, like a family tree retrospectively, Shawn Michaels 
and what yeah. he did and the run with him and Sherry that happened and then with mm-hmm. Triple H and DX and then him going down, you think he'll never come back, he'll never wrestle again, and then wrestling for another 10 years. Yeah. That's insane. Yeah. And without that, kind of like, without Triple H, that moment at WrestleMania 15, changing the course of his career, it would have been completely different. If he does not throw Marty Gennetti, and Marty Gennetti, we just discuss it another time in another episode for yeah. another thing. Yeah. The kids yeah. and the murder and the stuff and the racism. Um, if he doesn't throw him through a window, that's a completely different career. He doesn't. And, maybe he doesn't hook up with Sherry. Yeah. What now? Was it was it that night or was it the next week where Heenan goes? Janetti tried to jump out the window to get away from Sean. Yeah. Like was, he said the next week. Think, yeah. I'm pretty sure it was when I don't know if it was the next week or if it was later on the weekend when they're reviewing the footage. But yes, I clearly yeah. remember going. He was trying to get away from Sean. <laughs> Something like that. He was trying to jump through the window to get away. Um. The other, uh, the other PS honorable mention was when we thought Sting went to the NWO, and then it was Jeff Farmer. Uh, <laughs> Craig, main event, buddy. Oh, no pressure. Um, what makes a great heel turn, um, especially for someone like me with so much practice and experience. Uh, yeah, you're such a mean person. Um, <laughs> it, it, is when you don't see it coming. Mm-hmm. That's what makes a great heel turn. When you, honest to God, don't see it coming. So my number five was the last time I, honest to God, didn't see it coming. And it wasn't that long ago. It was almost exactly five years ago when Seth Rollins turned on the shield. Oh, God, yes. Oh, my God. Yeah. Didn't, even even right it, to the moment where Triple H says there's always a plan B, did I think that was going to happen? Yeah. See it coming. So that's my number five because that was the last time I got shocked by a heel turn. I, if I'm not mistaken, um, there's a woman who like screams, no, as Seth is swinging the chair. Yeah. <laughs> it, it, was, it was great. Yeah, that might have been me, Derek. Cause I, <laughs> like a woman. Yeah, I, no. I they were they were my they were my favorite faction since the Freebirds. I didn't care about any threesome, um, or I'm sorry, a three man team since the Freebirds. I was like gonna that. say there's a couple of threesomes I care. There's about. a couple of threesomes a, I do care about. Um, that's a but, different website. Yeah, and that's also a different uh, DVD that um. That, <laughs> um but, yeah, that that was five. Uh, number four was uh, what I also didn't see coming, even though the aforementioned Bobby Heenan went into business for himself um, during it, but because of the ramifications and because it still holds up, you know, we celebrated the the, the 25th anniversary last year, but um, Hulk Hogan joined the NWO Mm -hmm. before. Um, because uh, for people who didn't see the, and this is when pay-per-view was still a thing and had a lot of people that couldn't afford it. So yes. to find out what happened the yeah. next yeah. day, yeah. telling yeah. people the next day, that mm-hmm. was the fun part for me because so many people didn't believe it. Yeah. 
you know, and there was no internet. So like you had to tune in to uh, WCW to find out, yes, that did happen. And yep. calling hotlines. <laughs> See, I would never do that. Yes. Yeah, right. But because of it still because of the ramifications and because again when I and when I tell fans of HIAC talk rest, wrestling uh, talk radio listeners and the viewers to go back and do your homework when you look at an old match look at the fans when mm-hmm. Hogan, when Hogan hit that first leg drop on Macho look yeah. at the fans um, and even look at Pee Wee Anderson holding his head like oh my god. And that just happened. So that's my number four. Uh, <clears throat> my number three um, it happened in 1994. And even though it was a, an angle that had, was copied, uh, that had been copied before, it still got me. And the fact that it happened here, right here in Philadelphia, and it got all the fans is why it makes it my number three because like a good heel turn, didn't see it coming. Um, it was sold really well. But 1994 is November to remember mm-hmm. when a blinded Sandman, this is James Fullington, like Junkyard Dog before him, who was blinded by the Freebird, there's that name again, the Freebirds, in 1980, Junkyard Dog, um, wasn't seen or heard from anyone for two months on purpose. There was fan. They he was getting their fans were sending junkyard dog money. He was getting wow. five hundred dollars a week. That's awesome. <laughs> because of the promo that he did, he's I wouldn't I won't be able to see my baby girl. And mm. real dog had just had a daughter. He said, mm-hmm. I have, I'm not going to be able to see my daughter because of what the Freebirds did to me. The junkyard dog was out of sight, didn't see anything until he got to the Superdome that year. And they still, they still hold the record for the largest attendance in Superdome history, 28,000 fans in the Superdome. In Jeez. 1980, okay, mm-hmm. Andre was the under, Andre and Ernie Ladd was the undercard for that. They weren't <laughs> even the main event. That's how many Jeez. people see junkyard dog get his revenge on Michael Hayes. <laughs> Cut to 1994, where the Sandman was blinded by a lit cigarette in a match with Tommy Dreamer. James Fullington, the Sandman, wasn't seen or heard for a month. And there's people that knew him in South Philly. Mm-hmm. He hung out at Ethan and um, Ethan Walnut with at Todd Gordon's uh, jewelry shop. Wasn't there. People that knew him around the neighborhood knew where Sandman lived. Didn't see him. Didn't come out of the house. Oh man, he's really blind. Yeah, but Legend. did they check the other corner of eight, the walnut? No, they didn't. That's the okay. Thing. See, see, that's in hindsight, Dan. Hindsight, um, but led to the ring by what? By his wife, his real life wife, um, and fans giving him a standing ovation. Tommy Dreamer saying he's going to dedicate his career to to the Sandman now. Woman, you know. Listen to it with Sandman's wife. Sandman falling backwards off his cane, trying to defend himself because he can't see. And then it just stops and stands straight up. And when he rips the 
the bandages off his eyes. Same bandages. I think Junkyard, the same guy that did Junkyard Dog bandages did Sandman. They were just white tape plastered over his eyes. Nothing <laughs> medical about it at all. <laughs> Obviously, no doctor did it. Uh, but when he ripped off the tape and he just gave Tommy Dreamer the biggest whack and see that Singapore mm. bounce off of Dreamer's head, the place went nuts. The jaded, smart fans of Philadelphia had no idea that happened. So again, a great heel turn he didn't see coming. And literally, no one saw a No one saw it coming. <laughs> a blind fan man not being blind at all. So that's my number three. Uh, my number two is your homework, um, fans of HIAC Talk Radio, uh, viewers and listeners, uh, because this may have been the most tasteless angle I have, I've ever seen. Unless you were uh, watching championship wrestling from Florida in 1985, I was living in Florida in 1985, so um, I had seen this firsthand. Uh, the Freebirds had come into Florida. This is right after they left World Class and right before they went to the UWF. Um, Jim Neidhart was part of the rush. He had just turned to a Russian sympathizer in the Mid-South, and he went to Florida with Skandor Akbar and this wrestler called The Saint and running down America. And Michael Hayes was just dropped in to say hi to Gordon Soley, and he heard these Russians talking about America. So he attacked them, they attacked Hayes, and next thing you know, his brothers, Terry Gordy and Buddy Roberts, came back the next week, and they ran the Russians out. So the Freebirds were the biggest things in Florida Championship Wrestling at the time, and I couldn't believe that they were there, because they just come from record business in Texas. And they were in Florida at the same time I was in Florida, so I was really excited to see them. Then tragedy struck in real life, um, February 1985, Eddie Graham, the godfather of Florida wrestling, one of the greatest bookers, bookers, the greatest wrestling minds in history, um, uh, took his own life. And it made the front pages in every Florida newspaper because Eddie Graham, not only was he a great figure in wrestling, but he was responsible for the Boys and Girls Clubs of America in, in the entire state of Florida. Um, he was the man in one of the most charitable organizations um, in the Southeast, and then Eddie Graham uh, ran. He was a former president of the NWA. He was a guy that gave booking. If, if promoters around the country didn't have a finish, they, would, they could call Eddie Graham like right from the matches, and he would give them a finish. Um, <laughs> he was a guy that brokered the deal with Vince McMahon Sr. to have to trade talent, to have guys like uh, Dusty Rhodes and superstar Billy Graham wrestle in the WWF. So Eddie Graham's death was huge. Um, and it was the first time, for the first time since Eddie Graham's death, Mike Graham had appeared on Florida Championship Wrestling with Gordon Soley. It was the first time anyone had seen Mike Graham since the death of his father. And he was talking about how much he missed his father and how much he loved his father. And as he was talking about it, the Freebirds came into uh, on the set. And Gordon Soley, the dean of the wrestling, Walter Cronkite of wrestling, turned to his left and said, um, sorry, Michael, we are joined here by the Freebirds here. And Michael Hayes, you know, with Terry Gordy and Buddy Robertson toes, said, I'm sorry, I, I thought we were scheduled. And Gordon Soley said, well, you are, Michael. I just um, wanted to finish my interview with Mike. 
And Mike Grant said, no, no, I'll, I'll leave. And Eddie Gordon said, no, Mike, I, I wanted to talk to you, you know, about your father's uh, passing. So, Michael, if you'll please excuse me, I want to finish my interview with, with Mike Graham. And Michael Hayes said, I'm fine. I'm, I just thought we were scheduled. That's all. We'll, we'll just wait. And Mike Graham said, well, thank you, Gordon. I just want to say that um, it was my father never became the NWA champion. And I want to fulfill his, his goal, his dream. So the next time Ric Flair comes to Florida, I want to challenge him for the world championship and I'll win it for my father. And Mike Lane is, wait, 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 wait. I'm sorry. Wait, wait a minute. Um, see, the last time Ric Flair came in, um, Dusty Rhodes got his shot. Pez Watley, who was a Southern heavyweight champion, he got his shot. So the next time Flair comes back, Bam Bam is going to get his shot. And, you know, I'm not here starting any trouble. I'm just saying if, if anyone's going to get a shot, it's Bam Bam. And Mike Graham, the baby face here, <sighs> becomes the aggressor. He said, what the hell have you guys ever done? You think you deserve a shot? <laughs> <laughs> and, and Mike Hayes says, again, I'm not here starting any trouble. Okay? You, you're talking about you're going to get a shot at Ric Flair. Just out of nowhere. Bam Bam, we've been here. We're the ones who ran out the Russians. If anyone's going to get a shot, it's Bam Bam. My grandma, again, being the face, going, all three of you guys could not <laughs> wrestle me. And, you know, this big beer belly sap here and this, you know, long hair to get. And they, the Freebirds turned on my Graham, who just lost his father to suicide. <laughs> and they beat him up and make him bleed. The, the studio audience is hard up going, just blowing crazy because I did not, again, didn't see it coming. Why would you use the suicide of Eddie Graham to do an angle, to do a heel turn? I have no idea. Still one of the most tasteless angles that's in nice. professional wrestling. That's your homework. Go to YouTube. Go Freebirds, Mike Graham, to see the heel. That's my number two biggest heel turn just because didn't see it coming. And why would I? Because that's incredibly tasteless. And it's amazing. Yes, <laughs> I'm gonna I'm gonna watch that tonight. It's just damn good TV. Just because everyone was just like you know, Mike. You sons of bitches. Yes, <laughs> Mike Graham is talking earnestly about the loss of his father, and the Freebirds come in, and Mike Graham I'm sorry, I, I thought we were scheduled. Um, and Gordon Soley trying to mediate everyone that you you are. I just want to finish this, and I'll and I'll get get right to you, Michael, and and we're just. You know, and I'm gonna get. A, I'm gonna win again. Wait, 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 wait a minute. Now, I don't know about this. You getting the shot before famine? And my number one, incredibly underwhelming. I apologize, um, folks, because this heel, this isn't even on uh, YouTube. I checked. Um, this makes my number one only because it was um, the first, not only my first heel turn. But it was the first time I'd ever saw blood on television. Uh, the Valiant Brothers, the uh, 70s version of the Grand Brothers, the WWF Tag Team Champions were going up against the tag team of Chief J. Strongbow and Spiros Arion. Babyface team. Now, the previous uh, match, uh, Strongbow and Arion won to get a match against the Diet Brothers, but there was a little dissension there. 
uh, but we don't know what it was. Uh, I think uh, Arian went to tag Strongbow, and Strongbow didn't tag, and Strongbow got the pin, and Arian still wanted the tag, uh, but they were okay. But during this match against the Valiant Brothers, Chief J. Strongbow went for a tag. Spiros Arian not only didn't tag Chief J. Strongbow, he went out and got a chair and hit Strongbow over the head with him and walked away. And Strongbow's head was leaning over the ropes and Arian hit him. And then Strongbow turned back around and I saw blood. I was eight years old watching and I just become a wrestling fan and I knew how much I loved Chief J Strongbow because in the 1970s if you were a fan of the WWF your main guy was Chief J Strongbow Bruno was his mythical figure who never wrestled on television he was always the champion he'd talk about his next match at Madison Square Garden or the Spectrum the following month you still have the belt so you knew Bruno was unstoppable but if you want to watch the baby face every week, you watch Chief J. Strongbow. The war dancing, the chops, the knee lifts, and the sleeper hold. And he and Spiros Arion were the tag team to beat those damn Valiant brothers who would just preen and just prance. <laughs> and, and Lou Albano with the big beer belly would come out and talk about the Valiant brothers, daddy, that's the best. And while Jimmy and Johnny would just be in the back <laughs> their head that's pretty <laughs> accurate of, that's a pretty accurate uh... and if you've ever watched the tv show fridays bad tv but it was a set in friday version of saturday night live two guys they would do their skit was the golden boys and they were just doing the valiant brothers rip off but it was just <laughs> one that. i didn't know that yes they were ripping on the valiant brothers so while, while lou albano was screaming and holler about how great the valiant brothers were jimmy and johnny would just be pointing at each other, looking at each other, both with sunglasses on, and Jimmy would turn his back and have handsome on, and Johnny would be doing this. <laughs> then it was Johnny's turn to turn around, and Jimmy would point and say how luscious he was, and then Johnny would brush Jimmy's hair, and they would just be like, God, I hate them! Eight years old! They were so evil! Come on, Chief J. Strongbone, Spirit Arian, you got this. And Spirit Arian turned on Chief J. Strombow, hit him with a chair. Strombow was bleeding. I'd never seen blood before. I'd never seen Chief J. Strombow just laid out before. I cried because I couldn't believe anyone would do this or how could anyone do this. Um, and that was my introduction to professional wrestling. The greatest heel turn I ever saw was the first heel turn I ever saw. And that's what prepared me for my life as a wrestling fan. Awesome. <laughs> Thank you awesome. guys for indulging me. <laughs> Very good. And as we talk about, we just finished talking about our greatest uh, heel turns in wrestling history. Uh, what better way to talk about wrestling history than to talk about it right now uh, with some names that you've heard banded about in our previous segment, and they're going to show up again on this edition of wrestling historian because we're going to go back to when uh titles were won and lost in the ring not in the boardroom uh when uh heel turns were commonplace and the heel would get their their uppance will come 
uh, back when wrestling was in all 50 states and sold out crowds that didn't have, there was no such thing as pay-per-views, internet or dirt sheets. This is back when wrestling was in all 50 states in coliseums, high school gymnasiums, stadiums, rec centers, and all points in between where cable TV meant you can watch your favorite wrestlers from every single territory all in one day. This, gentlemen and ladies, is the wrestling historian. And we talk about this particular, and we're talking in this particular wrestling historian all in one day. Today in pro wrestling history, these are the things that took place today. In 1993, Dan, on a very memorable Monday Night Raw, one of the early ones, uh, not only did Yokozuna defeat Kamala, one of the most gigantic, one of the biggest matches ever, uh, but the Kamikaze kid, well, then he was the Cannonball kid, and then he just became the kid, defeated Razor Ramon today, 29 ah, years ago. Nice. To start his career as the kid, the one, two, three kid, and uh, would cement his way into the clique, and later the NWO, and later Degeneration X, and later his. Later inside of China. Yes. And if that weren't enough, and by God, don't you think it ought to be, on that very same Raw, <laughs> Marty Jannetty won his only single championship of his entire WWF career when he defeated, getting his revenge on the barbershop heel turn, Shawn Michaels. And, and really, that's we're all better for that. Yes. Yeah. So in 1993, <laughs> on this on today data Monday on Monday Night Raw 1993, Shawn Michaels lost the Intercontinental Title to Marty um, Jannetty, getting his revenge on his uh, on the heel turn. <laughs> A year earlier in 1992, 30 years ago, today Dan, the first. Wrestle War, WCW. Uh, Some yeah. would say the best war games of all time. Possibly the best, the single greatest combatants in any war game because you had on one side uh, Dustin Rhodes, Barry Windham, Nikita Koloff, Ricky Steamboat, and Sting going up against the team of Larry Zabisco, Arn Anderson, Bobby Eaton, Rick Rude, and stunning Steve Austin. A dangerous alliance at their most dangerous. I defy anybody to say the NWO of War Games was better. It's not. No. In my opinion, it's not. Mm -mm. It's no. the one I've gone back to watch the most. As far as War Games. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, but some would say this is maybe the the best war games ever, but it took place 30 years ago today. Um, that uh, the very first Wrestle War. 
Um, also want to, um, one of the 36 years ago today, one of the most confounding title changes in wrestling history uh, took place. Um, in the AWA, uh, Playboy Buddy Rose and Doug Summers defeated the team of Kurt Henning and Scott Hall for the AWA Tag Team Championship by a countout. Uh-huh. In a title change that now they wrestling Kurt Henning and Scott Hall and Kurt Henning's head gets ran into the post on the outside by Doug Summers and Kurt Henning is counted out. He's bleeding and he can't continue so referee counts to 20 and he's counted out. Then all of a sudden the referee picks up the belts and gives them to Playboy Buddy Rose and Doug Summers. And it's not explained that it was a that yes, it was a title match, but it wasn't explained that the titles could change hands on the count out. And it never was explained. All Larry Nelson, the AWA announcer, said was, and they're giving the belts to Doug Summers and Playboy Buddy Rose. And they're leaving the ring with the belt. Did we just see a title change? Fans, I'm as shocked as you are. And it was never explained why the title changed hands on the count out. It was never explained that there was a contract or there was a loophole or anything. Just Buddy Rose and Doug Summers are AWA Tag Team Champions and Kurt Henning and Scott Hall were not. But, oh, so I guess we're doing this. Oh, okay. Gotcha. But yeah, um, 1986, today, on this date, wrestling history, one of the weirdest title changes and rest that was still to this day has never been explained but um, I think even though Doug Summers and Playboy Buddy Rose came out the AWA Tag Team Champions the real winners because of their loss of the AWA Tag Team Championship controversial as it is but that frees those two up to become Mr. Perfect and Razor Ramon uh also, I want to wish a happy 35th birthday to Cash Wheeler, one half of the greatest tag team in wrestling today, FTR. So happy uh, 35th birthday to him. And finally, on this date, all this happened on this date, Dan, but maybe the biggest thing. May 17th, 1963, in Madison Square Garden, in only 48 seconds, that's how long it took for Buddy Rogers to lose his newly won Worldwide Wrestling Federation Heavyweight Championship to Bruno San Martino. Wow. And what started the greatest title run, the longest title run in the history of professional wrestling. A record that will never be broken. Never. Despite any and all bloodlines. But on this date, 1963, Bruno Sammartino defeated Buddy Rogers and would hold the World Wrestling Federation Heavyweight Championship for seven years, 11 months, and three weeks in a row. Unreal. Unreal. One week short of eight years. 
My folk, my friends, they don't make them like they used to. They do not. So, and all that happened on this this edition of Wrestling Historian happened today in wrestling history. And that, gentlemen and ladies, is the Wrestling Historian on this day, May 17th. And you can find me and reach me on Facebook, Instagram, and on Twitter at Craig Lagon, C-R-A-I-G-L-I-G-G-E-O-N-S. You can find me on all social media platforms at DanLaw83. Podcast. Go to your phone. Go to your podcast app. Type in HIC Talk Radio. Look for the purple and green logo. Subscribe. Follow. Uh, <laughs> Bad Ash is here about an hour and a half late saying boobs. <laughs> boobs. Boobs. Uh, follow us there. Please subscribe. Send a review. Only positive reviews. Uh, but please listen to the show. All the past episodes are there. Um, if you're listening and you want to watch us live, danlaw.tv Wednesday, 8 o'clock. Watch us there. Uh, for Craig Legans. <laughs> Badass says you can find me at The Strip Club. <laughs> for Craig Legans and Derek McDonald, I am the other guy. Good night.